Welcome back to our Ukraine-Russia conflict podcast. And this segment is really, really important. In fact, I might bump it up in the order. The one I just did previously, I might uh, have it come sequentially after this one because I came across some additional information, especially regarding the Ukrainian Nazis that we've mentioned. So we're going to talk about them, and then we're going to talk a bit about Zelensky, and then we'll probably continue that into the next segment. Now, one thing I would also reiterate, there are some Wikipedia sources we're using, because some of these sources are in foreign languages, I cannot read them, but they compile things, and I'm checking the citations to make sure they're coming from something legitimate. Some are in English, and that's fine. Um, and a lot of these would be considered mainstream sources as well. So don't dismiss this because I'm going from some things in Wikipedia, not all of them. I'm looking at these citations, and again, these are giving broad overviews of different factors. What's more important is how we're tying them together and the lens that you're looking at them through and what you're connecting, because the sources aren't going to do that for you. That's what we're trying to say here. And of course, we're not trying to go into something like an accurate history on the Crusades or something like that, um, which I wouldn't really trust Wikipedia as much for. But for all these things, it's I don't think it's a huge deal. So you can check the sources. I'll tell you what articles I'm looking at in conjunction with all the other normal resources that I'll give you. Furthermore, we have a dialectic alert here. And this is very, very important because we see a lot of this repeating uh, particularly history leading up to World War II. But like we mentioned also, two distinct bodies can also wear the same clothing. So one body can be very different from the other, but it could wear a king's outfit, whereas the other one could change into a king's outfit later, but be an entirely different body. You need to find the scars on the body and the characteristics of the body, and the clothes will fit them a certain way. But don't get confused by the clothing. That's the important thing. You have to look at the identification of the body underneath different features and characteristics that will make the clothing fit a little bit differently. So there's our analogy to keep in mind. So that being said, think about World War II. We have the Nazis versus the commies or the Bolsheviks, right? Now, both of these groups hate Catholicism, East or West, and especially the Habsburgs. They were caught in the middle of this. This is also part of World War I as well. These forces were rising, but became way more powerful and prominent during World War II. So the pan-German nationalism turned into the Nazism, and then all of the 1848 kind of socialist Marxist-type revolutions and liberalism started turning into what became the Bolsheviks, right? So that's broadly speaking, and then there's other factions in between. There's kind of like libertarian capitalist types or social democrats and what we'd kind of be accustomed to in American politics, something like that. But all of them do not want the old world order and the Habsburg Holy Roman Empire that they're trying to uh, destroy even further after Napoleon officially dissolved it. They're all trying to work against the Habsburg monarchy in the 19th century and also later, of course, the Russian monarchy, the Tsars, are taken out by all these forces as well. So, World War I and then 1917 in Fatima, we have Nicholas II, the Romanovs, taken out, and also Emperor Karl I of Austria taken out. So we have the emperors of the East and West Christendom 
taken out during this time, and then things just unraveled from there in terms of the old world Christian empire. As much as you want to criticize this or that about it, look what came after. Is it any better? Bolsheviks or Nazis? And that's exactly what we're going to see kind of reiterated here, but with different sets of clothing, if you will. Now, there's another component to this dialectic that's very important. There's the conflation game, as I call it, where certain of these groups will accuse the Catholic Church of being like the other dialectic it hates. So, for example, the Nazis hated all things Jewish, right? But they would accuse the Habsburgs of allowing the Jews to flourish in their multicultural empire because the Nazis didn't like anything, quote-unquote, universal, right? So they saw the Catholic Church and the Jesuits as a universal threat. They saw the Bolsheviks as the same, or the, uh, the liberal Jewish conspiracy that they would promote. And then universal international Anglo-capitalism, or something of that effect, where they would blame it on Jewish Masonic banking powers, or something like that. And then, the other part of this equation, is they often conflate the other side of the dialectic, that's satanic, Satan casting out Satan, the Bolsheviks and the Nazis. They often conflate the other side with Catholicism and lump it in. So the Nazis would perhaps accuse the Catholic Church of being a Jewish religion. And this is why you saw sometimes in Nazi esotericism, the Jesuits were called Jews. And this was part of their idea of a conspiracy against the Aryan man. And this can go into a whole host of other things we don't have time for. But on the other side... When everything was accused of being anti-Semitic, they would say that the Catholic Church is anti-Semitic. So which is it? Is it a Jewish crypto-religion, crypto-Judaism that's threatening the Aryan man? Or is it anti-Semitism that brings about the Nazis? It can't be both, but perhaps the reality is it's not either of them. And if somebody who calls himself a Catholic acts like that, they aren't actually being Catholic. This is why Pope Pius XII and the Jesuits were all denouncing Nazi racial nonsense. This is part of the official policy of the church during that time. So if a Catholic was supporting Hitler and going Heil Hitler and saying, yes, we must all be racialists, that should be excommunicated. Maybe it wasn't, but nevertheless, you cannot call that Catholicism based upon the papal hierarchy, what it was decreeing during that time. So why is that relevant? Well, this actually happens to people like Vladimir Putin. He's accused of being this repressive Hitler or whatever and probably anti-Semitic by the liberals. Yet, the neo-Nazis we're going to be talking about think that he's controlled by crypto-Jews or Chabad or whatever it might be. You find this stuff all over like BitChute or whatever. Um, and so I find it interesting that he's being accused in the same way the Catholic Church is being accused on that same dialectic back during these times. Very similar to how Trump was accused and like we said, being supported by certain, I don't know, red-ice radio types, but as soon as he had Jared Kushner and all these other people, then Trump's controlled by Jews, right? <laughs> so you see a similar pattern of the assault of this dialectic, and that's what I'm talking about, similar bodies, but the clothing is very different, and Trump and Putin are not the czars of the East and West, as we would have known them in Karl of Austria and um, Nicholas II, but the attacks against them are very similar. That's what's so strange to me, and that's why I want to keep emphasizing the body-clothing analogy. So with all that in mind, let's move on, and we're going to talk about the information shared on 
a particular episode of what is called the Jimmy Dore Show. Now, this guy is a comedian, political commentator, and he's been around for a while, but he used to be Democratic, I guess, until 2016. And then he became more of an independent. So he's kind of like a Tim Pool, but an older version of him and uh, perhaps a bit more informed. Uh, So regardless of what you think about him, I'd never really heard of him before, but he had this video I came across in researching this, and it's very, very important. So I'm going to put it in the links, and I'm going to be following what he's saying there because he's showing you information. Whatever you think about the man, I'm focusing on the information, just like we talked about with James's article before. So what he shows in this particular episode is the leader of one of these neo-Nazi groups talking about their own goals and involvements and things and stuff like that. So this is right from the horse's mouth of a Ukrainian named Yevhen Karas, and he's part of this nationalist group, S14. This is one of those groups that we talked about that was in this Euro-Maidan revolution, which was this strange mixture of radical... LGBT, communist types, and then Nazis, the two groups you would think wouldn't go together, along with some of their various interests and factions. So this is all tied up in what we discussed already. So now we get into some very interesting details related to this. So this nationalist S14 group that this guy's the uh, leader of, I guess, or figurehead of, is recognized by the U.S., by the USA, as a neo-Nazi hate group. So the USA admits this. And it's tied to this Azov battalion that's part of the Ukrainian forces uh, that we're going to talk about. And we have mentioned has been suspicions around neo-Nazis in the Ukrainian army. But this is really going to confirm so much of that in a very eerie way. Now, they certainly do not like Russians. That's a very important thing to emphasize. They're very anti-Russian, anti-Putin. And... They apparently infiltrate particular movements under the guise of traditional values and patriotism. So why is that relevant? Well, on two fronts it is. One, we're going to find another group later that has a neo-Nazi past in one of its leaders, and then he starts denying it and saying, I've never been a neo-Nazi. Everything I said about the white race being awesome, that's just slander misinformation, right? And this is exactly what the Nazis, actual Nazis did, where they talked a lot about Christianity before 1933 when they came to power, which duped a lot of Christians. And then, of course, after 1933, magically things start to get very unchristian in their rhetoric and what they do in their policies. So that's one side of the coin. And then the other side of the coin, this is very important. These types of people are seen as being in the trucker movement or the Trump movement, Right. Oh, there's a swastika flag, Justin Trudeau. There's a swastika. You stand with the truckers. You stand with the Nazis, right? So it's interesting how these groups that are not Nazi at all are accused of what these particular Nazis in Ukraine actually do. But when they do infiltrate these groups and movements and participate in revolutions like this Euromaidan thing, the media doesn't care about it. Or if they admit it, they say it's not really a big deal. Okay, we got SJW liberals, you know, doing revolutions with Nazis, but there's not that many Nazis there. So apparently when the Trump supporters have fake Nazis in their groups or even real ones are trying to outcast that are an extreme minority, then the liberal media is all over it. Oh, it's just Nazis everywhere in the Trump uh, protests or truckers. But when there's actual Nazis in Ukraine side by side with liberals in a strange 
contradiction seemingly, well, it's either downplayed or it's like, well, those Nazis aren't that bad. <laughs> Just like how the new Taliban regime, oh, it's not like the Taliban of old. They're, they're cool now. We're, we don't even worry about Afghanistan, right? The hypocrisy, like we talked about, the opportunism, goalpost shifting standards, all that stuff, the gaslighting. So with that in mind, let's talk a little bit more about Mr. Yevin Karas, because he gives an interview, and he's very candid about things in this interview, and that's what uh, Jimmy Dore is reviewing. And the interview is translated, so once again, I don't know if he's speaking uh, what is accurately translated on the screen, but there was a couple YouTube comments where they were saying, I speak Ukrainian, and everything he's saying is accurate. Now, that could be some random dude on the internet making that up, I don't know. But the point is, like we said, we're going to assume these things are accurate until somebody can prove otherwise, and I haven't seen any of that yet. So, this guy is not denying he's a Nazi. He hates whiny liberals. He brags about the Nazi influence in this revolution. And keep in mind, he could be over-exaggerating things to act tough. Uh, but nevertheless, even if he's a little puffed up, I think there's a lot of dangerous things he's talking about here. Um, we'll talk about that and how much of a puppet they are being used for by the West or how much the West might be being used by them as puppets. It's kind of an open question. You'll have to determine uh, which danger is worse. Uh, again, that will become more clear as we go through this, what I'm talking about. So this particular Nazi leader, he says that Maidan's victory of the 2014 coup against the government that we talked about, that overthrew the pro-Russian, pro-Putin president, this was actually a victory for the nationalists or the Nazis, and that they were the key factor in this revolution. Even though the Western media has taken credit for this is for democracy, this is for LGBT rights, all that stuff, he's saying, no, 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 that's BS. We were at the front lines, and this revolution would not have happened without us. And then he's saying that, the Western media is saying, oh, the Nazi influence is small, it wasn't really relevant, and the LGBT crowd with its massive love overcame this hate of the Russian government or the Russian-backed government, right? And so he's saying that the West is trying to take credit for the revolution, but it's actually the Nazis who, who made it happen. So we'd remind you that this is how demons operate, according to Catholic teaching. They have competitions with each other, and they are very prideful, they don't want to be made fun of by each other. They want to, you know, puff out their chest even against each other, right? So we don't know to the extent that this is true, but I would argue that this is probably much closer than the truth than not. And we're going to see why, because he's actually making some good points here, even if he's caught up in a horrible Nazi ideology. So he says that, yes, it's true. Probably only about 10% of the crowd was real Nazis, he says, not the fake ones. And that the liberal side says this, but then he says that they're morons for not understanding that despite they were minority in numbers, they had the biggest influence on the revolution's success. And we personally know this in the West, that the minority SJWs who are willing to go to extremes and burn down things, and if they have backing from powerful oligarchs, then they can do it they will and gain all the influence, right? So minorities do create revolutions. So Karas is bragging about how people in the West saying this are morons for not understanding this, or they just want to deny the Nazi influence. So he says that we were much more effective than anyone else there, 
and on their proportion of influence, he says it was limitless. And 90% of the effectiveness of the revolution was due to them, he estimates. So he says that they need the most credit for this coup of the Ukrainian government and overthrowing the pro-Russian president. And he says some left-wingers are trying to overestimate their own influence, right? The LGBT pride influence in this revolution so that the West doesn't look bad because it was mostly Nazis that helped with the revolution. (laughs) So he's just admitting this straight up. Yeah, we get it that the West is trying to downplay our influence because it doesn't look good for them if they're supporting Nazis while blaming all of their political opponents for being Nazis. And he says that if it wasn't for the nationalists, the entire coup would have turned into a gay parade, implying that gay parades don't really actually get things done. It's only the powers behind them that get things done. And they were the powers behind them on that day, uh, in reality. So in Jimmy Dore's analysis of this, he says that there is lots of credible evidence that it was actually the Ukrainian Nazis or nationalists that were firing in the crowd, and it wasn't the government doing this during the overthrow. So what this means is, if it's true, I don't have the time to search through all this, but if this is true, and he's got all kinds of videos on all this stuff, so I would take him at his word for this because he's presenting everything I've seen very accurately. Well, this is very consistent with some of the footage and the accusations of the things that we'll discuss with the Ukrainian army of using civilians as human shields or firing on different things and then blaming it on another group, right? Like blaming things on the Russians or putting things in the the target of civilian areas so when they get blown up, they say they're they're killing civilians. This is like really disgusting warfare. And we're going to find all kinds of weird stuff that lends to this understanding. Some is direct evidence, some is more circumstantial or just testimonial. You'll have to take their word on it. But if we compare and contrast all these things and what people are actually saying, who perhaps even if they're, you know, have horrible ideologies or at least much more upfront about everything, it's all going to fit a lot closer with these understandings of the situation rather than Russia man bad on either side of the dialectic, whether it's Catholics who don't like liberalism but hate Putin more and would rather have the Zelensky regime propped up and call it freedom. It's it's almost like they're doing the same thing. They're siding with a worse enemy, just like the liberals and the LGBT people are siding with a worse enemy, Nazis, because they hate Putin. I'm saying that a lot of traditional Catholics are actually falling for this, it seems to me, uh, just in a completely different way. And that's, uh, in my opinion, very problematic. It all hinges on Putin being the most evil evil that ever existed. And even if they think Nazis are bad, they'd actually rather have a Ukrainian Nazi government in charge and Western powers to work with them to overthrow Putin. That is at the crux of this issue. And hopefully after all of these segments, you can make a better decision on if you think that's true or not. So let's continue with this neo-Nazi Karas' testimony. And this is the part that's most concerning, especially in light of history. And he says, We have been given so much weaponry. And he says, Not because the West wants the best for us, but they know that we will perform the tasks that they set for us. And he says, This isn't, get this, important. He says, This is because we have fun. We have fun killing and we have fun fighting. This guy's like a real life Scarface. I kill communists for fun, man. But instead, This includes killing Orthodox Christians for fun. Now, recall the footage I mentioned 
which I don't know if it's real or not, but if it is, it fits with this timeline from 2014 where a Russian separatist Christian was crucified and burned by what would be seen as Nazi Ukrainian army groups. If that video is true, then that is consistent with what this guy is saying because he says we have fun killing and we have fun fighting. Even if that video is fake, he's still saying this and it still doesn't discredit the other things that we're going to talk about that are very concerning. So he's saying that him and his Nazi groups, they get things done and that's why the West likes them and gives them so much weaponry because the LGBT pride parades are just going to turn into a gay parade that gets nothing accomplished, according to him. Then he goes on to say that what they do is so impressive. He's saying this is a reason for a new alliance of Turkey, Poland, Britain, and Ukraine. I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about, but he's basically saying there's going to be like a new rise of the Nazi state from these areas. And I know there's some nationalism in Poland, which has Catholic nationalism that is in my opinion, from what I've seen, very tame and just wants to fight the quote-unquote rainbow plague, as they call it. And probably there's some Nazis mixed in there too, if this is, you know, all bordering in the same area. You have to discern where these groups overlap and where they don't. And I think that that's very important with all of this. But regardless, he's saying there's going to be a rise of a new Reich, it seems. He's kind of LARPing on this. Now, is that a LARP? And NATO's just using them and they think they're going to rise up and take over this area of Europe and, and out of Ukraine and have a new Reich? Or is NATO giving them all these weapons and it's going to turn into like what happened with the Mujahideen, where you give them all these weapons, Western-packed weapons to foment revolution. And in that case, they were fighting still Russia, but it was the Soviets. And then does that all come back to Rus? And that's the story of 9-11. Again, whatever you think about what happened that day, conspiracy theories, whatever. We do know there are Islamic factions that hate the West and we're probably using Western weapons to do whatever they're going to do, right? So are you arming a bunch of Nazis that want a new Reich and are much more effective than pride parades in reality? And if things go to hell in Ukraine, is that what's going to rise out of there, especially if... Putin's Christian Russia, even if you think it's a fake Christian Russia, I happen to not think it is. Maybe there's some problems, but I don't think the sincerity is not there. If that goes away, what will rise out of here? That's my question, and that's the thing we're going to have to consider as we go through and see the level of Nazi infiltration or potential Nazi infiltration in these Ukrainian troops. Lastly, another history issue here. Think about why the Third Reich rose to begin with. There was a lot of liberal degeneracy in Germany, a lot of it which was blamed upon Jews. And very interestingly, you have Zelensky and some other groups that we're going to see that would be considered liberal Jews. Now, point being, we're not having a Jewish conspiracy here. We're saying that these people are apostatizing from Judaism. And we're going to quote Rudy Giuliani and say that Rudy Giuliani is more Jewish than George Soros is. That's our point. And so we see a lot of the same pieces that brought about the rise of the Nazis going on during this time, the same types of factions battling, and they're all swallowing up the Catholic state in Christendom or in Russia, the Tsarist state. So this is why I'm wondering, is Putin, the body, much more like the Tsarist state 
that most Catholics can respect, yet we're calling him evil and he needs to go away and all this stuff. I just hope you see the potential problem with that. So, in this Nazi's LARP, in his testimony here, he's saying that we're trying to create a Ukrainian regime that doesn't rely on NATO, unlike the liberalism and Zelensky and all those, you know, the pride parade people for liberal democracy that want to be in NATO, right? This is a a battle here, like we said, the dialectic. Well, my personal fear would be is the LGBT paradise that's been in Ukraine for a while, are they going to get a very rude awakening if these Nazis come in and take over again? Because they would be much more protected under the Putin regime. They just wouldn't be allowed to have their parades and teach stuff in school, but they would not be persecuted in the same way. But under these Nazis, they would probably be rounded up and killed. Now, there's a book I have. It's actually written by a Freemason. It's called The Red Triangle, A History of Anti-Masonry. And he's wondering why no one talks about the Freemasons that were persecuted by the Nazi regime because they were accused of being, you know, Jewish Freemasonry, right? And I looked into this and I didn't really understand it at the time, but now I understand it a lot better. And if I look at one of the images he provides with the Nazi triangles, who they marked to be their enemies and threw in camps, There were political enemies, which the Freemasons were um, categorized under. There was Jehovah's Witnesses. There were homosexuals and sex offenders. And then there were Roma, gypsies. That's going to play an important role, what we're going to talk about here. Um, Because they're going to be persecuted in modern-day Ukraine by these Nazi regimes. So they're just repeating what the Nazis were persecuting. And if the homosexuals were in that... They're in for a very rude awakening if this regime arises and they would probably pray to the God they don't believe in that Putin was in control of it instead of these Nazis. That's what I'm saying. So why I'm saying this is actually to protect LGBT people from this happening. Please see the writing on the wall. This is a very dangerous thing for people in that culture. And even though I'm Catholic and I don't think that culture should be promoted and It's objectively not (laughs) a part of God's laws. Everybody still has human dignity. And if we could just get rid of the pride parades and that stuff in schools, I think we could all get along much, much better. And I do not want to see this type of thing happen. We want to protect homosexuals from radical Nazi pogroms, right? To me, that would be the Christian thing to do, even if there's a fundamental problem with the morality. So with that in mind, let's continue what this neo-Nazi is bragging about. And he says that we are the flagmen here. We have started a war with Russia, obviously implying that, that has not been seen for 60 years. He says, imagining how many weapons we have and how many veterans we have. And imagine that Russia falls. This is the most important thing. He says, we have the most javelins or weapons on the European continent. Only maybe the UK has more. So what he's saying is that if Russia falls, we are the new superpower in this area and we have all the weapons. So if the West wants to help them destroy Russia, 
Who's going to have all the weapons? Who's going to confiscate the weapons of the Russia and be in control of them? Because this is the army that is fighting their war. See what I'm saying? And if the West helps out with just a little bit to back them up and just keeps funneling arms to them, which is what they all say they're doing, then all of these neo-Nazis are going to have all of these weapons in power. I hope people understand the problem with that. And if Satan casts out Satan and these neo-Nazis who have all these weapons, do you think they're going to take the orders from NATO anymore, especially when we consider some of the tactics that they might be using, using civilians as human shields and maybe even crucifying and burning Russians alive who are Orthodox Christians? I wouldn't bet on it, especially since he goes on to mock liberals saying, we want to join NATO, EU, we've been oppressed, please help us. And he does this to probably imitate like the whiny voice of someone like Zelensky, right? Where they all want to join NATO and get this protection from the big bad liberal West. And he says, no, we are a huge powerful state. And if we come to power, it will be both a joy and problems for the whole world. And what he means by that is he's saying it's a huge and ambitious task and it's an exciting time. Or he says cool time. It's kind of a weird translation, perhaps. The host notes this. And he says, we don't want to become part of an already collapsing European Union family or whatever. He says this is about new political challenges on a global level. So it sounds like he wants to bring back the Third Reich on steroids and having it go global. Again, this could just be a Nazi LARP, but it certainly is concerning if they have a lot of weapons that they gain out of this whole crisis. Then moving on... Jimmy Dore gives some extra insights and information, and I was checking all of this and looking up the guys he's talking about, and everything seemed to check out to me. And he says that this group C-14, that this uh, dude, Karas, who, we, who was just boasting of all this, uh, this was founded by a man named Ola Chianyabak. I'm going to butcher all these names. As a youth wing of the Svoboda Party. Now, this Svoboda Party, that's one of the ones in the Maidan Revolution list that we talked about, the nationalist group. And you can see this leader of that party hanging out with Joe Biden in 2014, right when this coup happened. And you could probably call this C-14 group a new Hitler youth group. I guess that would be an equivalent. And Joe Biden's just hanging out with them yucking it up because they want to overthrow Ukraine and they don't have a problem working with Nazi armies to do it. And apparently, this particular group we're talking about, the military faction of it, they signed an agreement in 2018 to patrol Kiev's streets. And this began a campaign of pogroms against the Romani camps, which are the gypsies, which is just like the groups that the Nazis persecuted and had a special triangle for. Now, apparently, the number 14 stands for, it's very... Very inventive here. <laughs> the 14 words of a neo-Nazi named David Lang, which is, quote, we must secure the existence of our people in a future for white children. Now, this is on the ADL. So the ADL is getting something right here. Um, so this David Lang in this slogan, these 14 words, this is on their website. So it's not like this is unknown to the West. That's my point. It's not unknown to the liberal regime that calls everyone else a Nazi that doesn't agree with them. They're actually the most supportive of real Nazis. 
I know people have talked about Operation Paperclip and all these sorts of things for years. And even though I've examined many, many strange theories, I always still felt a little weird about that one. But apparently, whether that relates to this or not, it seems to be very true. It's almost like that meme, like, oh, Alex Jones was right again. (laughs) So setting that aside, don't like laughing about this, but sometimes you have to because it's just so insane. A co-founder of this group was also this man, Andre Parubi. Parubi. He served as a chairman to Ukrainian parliament from 2016 to 2019. So he's in Ukrainian politics, another one of these Nazis. So they get him in the military, get him in the political system. And apparently he's also connected to Biden because Biden's foreign policy man was welcomed by him when he came to visit. So the two guys associated with this C-14 youth group that's an offshoot of this Svoboda party or whatever, that's all part of that revolution in 2014, they're hanging out with Biden and they are getting into the government in both the political system and putting out police patrols and military that's putting out pogroms against Romani camps. And you can imagine that they're probably doing the same types of thing to Russian separatists, which tend to be Russian Orthodox, as far as I understand. Or some of those groups that we've talked about in the other video. Again, I don't know if I'll put that before or after this one. Um, like the the new Cossacks or whatever. Um, but anyways, so this guy, uh, Parubi, he was a leader in the 2014 anti-government protests with the Euro-maiden revolution of dignity, right? What it's called. And... He's the head of what's called the People's Front, which is a group of military folks fighting against Russians in Donbass, where Putin is invading to say he wants to denazify right now, back in 2014. So all this is going on in 2014. The Russians that didn't accept this overthrow thought it was a coup, end up retreating to these areas that Putin's trying to take back now. Were they persecuted by crazy Nazis who like killing people for fun And the United States government is involved in allowing this to happen. And all of these liberal people who are promoting the gay pride parades are working with Nazis. Or they're just so blind they have no clue this is what's going on because they're fixated on partying at the gay disco. Again, not trying to be mean here. I'm just saying, are these things blinding people to seeing what's really happened because they hate Putin and they hate Christianity? And because of that hatred, they're like the Pharisees of old who can't even see God in front of them. And they are willing to kill the new Christianity rising uh, just to hold on to their old power. The Sadducees, liberals, and the Pharisees uh, who say they believe in the things of Christianity but are going to kill those adhering most to it. Again, I, I don't know. These are parallels I see. Maybe there's other ways of reading this, but it's very strange to me. And so it's mentioned on this show that now there's a rise of violence in these areas against feminists and LGBT groups along with those gypsy groups. So what do you think is going to happen the more these guys rise? Now, there's another figure that's very important in all this. His name is Arzen Avakov. Now, looking at his credentials, he seems like a stand-up citizen. But is there something deeper beneath the surface here? Well, after the 2014 coup, he was elected as the new leader of the Ministry of Internal Affairs in Ukraine. So that's part of policing. And he has called pro-Russian separatists terrorists. 
And apparently the Euro Maiden activists voted against him. But is that kind of what the liberals get for supporting this revolution? They get this guy who's going to have all these weird connections to neo-Nazis in his policing, right, in the army. And now here's another important thing. Russia has requested years ago, I guess, that Avakov be placed on Interpol, meaning European international crime fighting or whatever, like in the Da Vinci Code, they're all chasing down Tom Hanks instead of this Avakov guy. I've also heard that they're after Archbishop Vigano. I don't know how true that is, but the point is you would think they would want to pursue neo-Nazis because the West is all about stopping Nazis, right? So with that in mind, Russia accused him of using prohibited means of warfare and murder also censoring journalists, which is something has certainly been accused of the Zelensky regime, and abduction. And I just saw some videos recently where uh, an Orthodox priest was abducted. Go to the Orthodox channel and you can see these nationalists come in and abduct this priest right out of there. Now, Moscow has tried him in courts in absentia for his crime. So he's a war criminal in Russia. But of course, he's saying that all the Russians are terrorists. Um, who are you going to believe, right? And we know that the demons blame their crimes that they do themselves on everyone else. And there seems to be a lot of that going around. But are there certain groups that are being more honest about things than others? And perhaps is Russia one of them, even though the entire world is trying to convince you otherwise? I don't know. Continuing. He was reappointed to this position in 2019, and he's been involved in the war in Donbass, right? Where Putin is invading, saying war crimes are going on. And he's been voted, uh, this Avakov guy, has been voted as one of the 100 most influential Ukrainians. So he's no small potato. He apparently also worked as a laboratory assistant in the early 80s. Hmm. Seems strange with all the accusations of biolabs and bioweaponing. And he has an engineering degree. He's also tied to commercial banking, and he's tied to the Defense Councils of Ukraine. He's also considered an honored economist, a stand-up citizen, right? Well, it's interesting. There's a, a liberal activist group, Open Democracy Now! or something like that. They have a whole page on this guy warning about his connections to neo-Nazi groups. Of course, in typical dialectical fashion like we've talked about, these uh, liberal progressives are conflating him with Putin. Oh, he's just as evil as Putin, right? A fascist. But is that the same conflation that we've been talking about this whole time? The same conflation tactics against the same body, but the clothing is confusing people. The different nations that have different factions and groups within them, they change throughout history. Don't look only at the clothing. That's the warning we're going to give here. Continuing, as this new Minister of Internal Affairs in Ukraine after the 2014 uprising on April 13th in that year, he apparently issued a new decree authorizing the creation of a paramilitary force of civilians. Now, think about this. You have all these neo-Nazis that want their new Reich. They're not quite in the army yet, or some of them are infiltrating. And now you're going to open up a new division of the military, and apparently 12,000 people were recruited. How many of them are Nazis that were just waiting for their opportunity to get into some sort of power and have access to a bunch of weapons and guns and all this kind of stuff? This is 2014, right? When Russia's saying all of these things are happening, these, these murders, this persecution, genocide, 
uh, all of these abuses, especially in the areas where these Russian separatists are, but it's not just them being attacked. It's gypsies, LGBT, etc. right? Russia says we don't want the pride parades and the propaganda, but are they going around actually hurting LGBT people um, and physically? Uh, what if these Ukrainian Nazis are doing that and Russia's trying to stop them like they say they are? That would be a pro for the LGBT people. Um, so, you know, the, the pride parades are going to get shut down one way or another, it would seem, at some point in Ukraine. But who's going to be doing the shutting down? And I would think that they would all, in reality, much rather have Putin being the one shutting them down rather than these Nazis who are infiltrating into the military, perhaps trying to form their own coup. And then they don't have a problem if the West thinks the coup was because of pride parades and strong little feminine liberal ladies standing up to troops with all this crazy propaganda that we see on TV every day now. Ugh, it's just so frustrating to watch this. But continuing. So this allowed perhaps this enlisted Azov group to come into the military of that month. And one of the first missions was to recapture the territory from the pro-Russian separatists, the ones that this dude, Mr. Philanthropist banking lab man, Avakov, is calling terrorists. So what happens when you tell a group of soldiers that like killing people for fun, that there's a group of terrorists, go get them, do what you will with them. What do you think is going to happen? And what do you think is happening in these areas of Donbass, these Russian separatists? Perhaps like that video, whether it's real or not, of being crucified and burned. I don't know. So continuing, the leader of this Azov group is one Andriy Beletsky. Now apparently, I can find this in a Guardian article from 2010. This is The Guardian, all right? This is mainstream stuff. He's apparently toned down his Nazi rhetoric from 2010. And he apparently said that, quote, his goal of his group or any of his affiliates was to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against the Semite-led subhumans. Now, here's the important thing. Like I said, in the bitch-shoot Nazi underground, go into any videos talking about this stuff, you'll see all these Nazi-type people showing up. It's really quite disgusting. They're all calling Putin a Jew, a crypto Jew tied to Chabad, you know, and, and unfortunately, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, the people like E. Michael Jones have latched onto. Now, these people hate E. Michael Jones, but this over-focus on liberal Judaism, I think, uh, is a problem in the sense that, yes, it is a factor in this, but I think we need to be a lot more... Um, holistic in our analysis of it because there's a lot of liberal Catholics that are behaving the same way. And as I've always said, especially in more recent years, there seems to be a pattern that when you reject the God of Israel and that's your tradition, whether it's old or new Israel, bad things happen. And so we see this all being kind of set up here. And so if the Semite subhumans also include Putin, just like the Nazis thought the Habsburg dynasty was, because if you read Mein Kampf, what the first group that Hitler starts bashing is not the Jews, it's actually the Habsburgs. He calls them a rotten and degenerate dynasty. We talked about this in apocalyptic elections. So they're conflating all of these things. And so any Catholics or Russian Orthodox, it would seem, are also Semitic-led subhumans according to these groups. That's the problem as well. So don't you see the dialectics here? I hope people are 
are getting what I'm trying to emphasize, the conflations that are happening that are false, and that all the liberal-minded people who are blaming Putin for this or that uh, don't see this, that their real enemy is the very groups that they're supporting right now in these Nazi battalions. Now, later he denied these remarks in 2015, but remember, we talked about the Nazis playing up the Christian rhetoric before they came to power because they knew things were collapsing And once you see that you can gain entry into politics and power, well, you're going to say what you need to say to get there, right? Do you think they have any moral qualms about that? They're just like the liberals in that sense. And so in 1933, once they get to power, all that pro-Christian stuff goes away. And the only Christianity is accepted is the one that gets rid of the Old Testament God of Israel. They're like neo-Gnostics, but a right-wing version of it, right? Or a right-wing version of theosophy if there's any sort of occult overlap, which there always tends to be on varying levels. But of course, we know from our uh, video or podcast on the Nazi uh, occultism, there's the main factions that are more right-wing, rationalist, Darwinian-driven, and then there's the occultists that mix in with that as well. It's like the Himmler groups with the regular Nazi groups. It's all a problem. But The Nazi occult groups do reveal a lot if you read about them. And that's the point. We're trying to apply these same principles. So this guy, Beletsky, he's apparently a deputy in the Ukrainian parliament. Now, the Wikipedia article says he didn't have much influence. I don't know. You can decide that for your own. But the point is he's integrated into these systems. And if he's got other buddies in there, how hard would it be to elevate him even higher once they get more control? Now, he was apparently elevated in the military in many ways in 2014. He was given the, quote, order for courage, some award (laughs) by a president, the president, and made lieutenant colonel of the Interior Ministry's police forces. So Interior Ministry, Internal Affairs, Policing. This is how the Nazis also rose in their police forces and stuff like that. And they consolidated them under Hitler. Now, There's a lot more that goes to it. We discuss it in the Nazism, Zionism episode. I'm not going to go into a tangent here, but you can see the things repeating. It's it's kind of uncanny, actually. And I'm not the expert on all of this stuff, but what I do know, you see these patterns repeating, and that's what I'm trying to say here. All right, continuing. In 2015, the U.S. House of Representatives actually passed amendments that blocked training by this Azov group, or Azov, Because they knew that they were Nazis. They admitted it. The USA has admitted these things. The New York Times, the USA Today, these these groups, these news media out of the West all documented this, apparently. Now, this Azov group is denying it's Nazism, just like we talked about this guy who's like, I never said that, right? But we know that anybody can say those things. What are their actions? Um, But now, apparently, we're denying all these things, too, because of Putin hate. Let's forget about all the Nazis in Ukraine. And just, you know, Putin's the the worst of them all, right? And more importantly, in 2014, if any of this was mentioned, right, this Nazi connection, this Maidan overthrow, you were called, surprise, surprise, a puppet of Moscow promoting Russian propaganda, uh, a shill for Putin, Russian disinfo. You were a useful idiot for Russia in 2014 if you mentioned any of this. Gee, did any of that happen during the Trump presidency? We had a whole impeachment over that, which turned out to be nothing. And now, even in the traditional Catholic world, if you mention these things, oftentimes you'll be called uh, a Putin lover or shill, and you don't understand the reality of Ukraine, and you're an evil person for having some semblance of sympathy or understanding for Putin. I, I see this going on now. 
Um, and it's very frustrating to see that pattern of the same exact thing. It just seems like it's gotten so sophisticated that it's coming into the traditional Catholic sphere. And that's why I'm warning about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm paranoid conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But I'm just trying to go by history and what I know and putting all these things together. And maybe uh, you see it differently, but I'm just hoping that people are at least aware of this information. And lastly, uh, we'll go on to Zelensky in the next video because this is almost nearing an hour here. But think about the hypocrisy here. The USA is applauded in history for intervening in World War II to stop the Nazis and Hitler, generally speaking. Now, sometimes it's criticized it should have entered earlier, all this stuff, right? Usually those criticisms come from, you know, Jewish people. Setting all that aside, the U.S. is seen as this hero for stopping Nazism, right? And then now in the USA, we blame everybody we don't like. We call everyone we don't like a Nazi, just like the liberal Jews call everyone they don't like anti-Semitic. But it's lost its meaning. We're detached from the history. But if you attach to the history objectively and you sort all this out, you can see how delusional people are. And it's the demonic behavior like we talked about, blaming everything that you yourself are doing onto everybody else. And then the, the Christians, I would argue the, the most real Christians that we have today, even though nobody is really saints, they're, they're lumped in with all of this as being evil too. And I think Putin in Russia is an example of this. You can call me a Putin shill or whatever, but the more I look into this, the more it looks rotten for all these other things. And the more it looks like what P Putin is doing is at least understandable. Um, yet he's attacked also as an evil tyrant for wanting to denazify Ukraine. And how stupid is he for thinking that they're Nazis there because it's run by the Jewish Zelensky. I'm sorry, but that's like a three-year-old analysis of the situation. And I'm not trying to be intellectually elitist or anything like that. It's just frustrating to see all these things happening. So think about that. And the other thing I would mention is this blaming everything on Russia man bad and, and Putin right now, this reminds me of the Jesuit conspiracy theories of the 19th century. They were completely unfounded. They were used by the Nazis. The Nazis promoted a Jesuit conspiracy along with Jewish conspiracies. All the liberals promoted Jewish, or excuse me, Jesuit conspiracies. We talked about the Lola Montez episode of the podcast. Uh, the, the, the Protestant establishment of America had all these Jesuit conspiracies. All these different groups that you would think would not have anything to do with each other, like Bolsheviks and Nazis. They're all promoting the same propaganda against the church in the 19th century, against the Jesuits, against Rome, away from Rome, Kulterkampf, or the Protestant Masonic French-American alliance against the Jesuits. All of it. It reminds me so much right now of the Russia man bad propaganda and also against the MAGA movement to another degree. But now it's really much more culminating against Orthodox Russia. And I know that's hard for some Catholics to get over their bias against Russian Orthodoxy, because in the 19th century, it was very anti-Catholic, too. They were actually also lumped into this. They rejected the Immaculate Conception. They were promoting Enlightenment propaganda and Jesuit conspiracy theories, you know, Dostoevsky against the Inquisition, all that stuff, right? But it's not the 19th century anymore. And I'm, that's what I'm trying to emphasize, the clothing and body analogy. And then, of course, the Jesuits, this is very providential, had a huge influence on the Russian culture at the turn of the 19th century, 
And that leads us to the whole Tsar Paul I's almost reunion with the Jesuit superior that I've talked about before, especially on Christ vs. the Occult series. And that was the closest we had come to reunion. And it was when that church of the Jesuits, the underground Jesuits, been kicked out of the papacy, um, was working with the Russians. And there was almost a reunion. But of course, Tsar Paul I was assassinated by various groups that had ties to the Masons, Illuminati, or angry Russians, Orthodox, even Christian groups, Protestant groups, or whatever. And I see so many of the same things going on in that coordination and the idea of pandemonium, never God, never that, right? And all these groups that seemingly should not get along, all get along for a brief period of time to reject something of God. And if you look at Russia, again, not perfect, but there's a lot of things that look quite Christian to me and I also would argue there's a lot of actions you could are, you could say that are, are doing that, especially in light of the, the horrible position that they are in with all of the demonic forces teaming up against them. So I hope you can see the parallels. We're going to keep going through these. This is going to be a long, quote-unquote, episode. But the more I look at this, the more it looks even more rotten and there's more important things to uncover. So I feel like I just got to do it. Um, just my conscience is telling me I got to go through it, even though there's a million things I need to do in my life, uh, for my own personal life, to prepare for so many things that I should be doing. But like I said, I think this is more important at this moment because of a highly volatile situation, especially historically speaking. So we'll see you at the next episode when we talk about the Zelensky regime and how much of a puppet is he and who is he actually a puppet for? Is it just the West and NATO, or is it also for Nazis who want the rise of a new Reich?